In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. We have no idea where Paul's at. He turned us over the reins at the last minute. So all the Paul Brown fans across America, please tweet at him, send him, you know, the, the jives. I think he's still reeling over that Tottenham Chelsea match, but I'm here with my resident Chelsea fan, Jack Duffin. We're here to talk a little Browns football. Jack, how's it, uh, how's it treating? It's, it's good. Um, it... It always fails to live up to expectations the first day of the preseason. It was it's when I officially say goodbye to my sleep pattern until my birthday in January. But at the same time, it got to half time. I was like, "This is crap. I'm going to sleep." It's half one. Surprised you made it past the first quarter. Seven total yards. It was challenging. <laughs> so in our uh, WhatsApp group, I had sent one. I wasn't sure if Paul was awake or not because generally Paul will wake up somewhere between the first quarter and the second quarter. So I had sent him a match. I said, "Paul." If you wake up, just take yourself right back to sleep because you're not missing much here. And that first quarter was pretty grim. Yeah, it was everything was going wrong. And when you you think, hey, is there some rust on the quarterback? Oh, Deonis Johnson's got the ball. That'll be fine. Boop, that that weren't fine. Um, yeah, it was uh it it was grim. Well, it's one of those things where there's a there's a lot going on. This is the first time, obviously, that Stefanski and Deshaun Watson have worked together in a game. It's the first time Watson's thrown a pass in 18 months in an NFL game. There's just a lot going on. A lot of players are trying to get their feelings right. And we'll we'll get right into it at first. But the second play of the game, your starting center goes down where his knee buckles. It's, it's, It's an omen for things where it's just like, all right, now guys are going to start thinking. There's obviously Anthony Schwartz. We'll talk a little bit about him. But overall, it was almost that time. Just pull the starters, get the second team guys in there. Let somebody go in as a unit as a whole because the Browns just had no rhythm on offense, whether it was fumbles, penalties, still not more penalized than the Cowboys. That was a disgusting turn that one off pretty quickly. But, yeah, it just – it was not firing on all cylinders. So now going into the Eagles, going into the Bears, we're just going to have to see hopefully – that first team offense, my guess is we're going to see a lot more Brissett now coming in. We want, we want to make sure we get off to a good start because all these people saying it's preseason. It's funny. I didn't see any other teams with their starters, whether it was Kansas city, whether it was any other really team come out that inefficient for an entire quarter. Here's the the one thing. Cause hey, I don't sit there and watch enough of practice tape to almost care, but there was no starters in the skill positions. There was zero of them. Um, None of the starting skill players were on the field. Um, and I mean, do you count Donovan Peoples Jones? Oh, he, he, he was the other. He, he played um, Najoku. So basically, Najoku. I, I didn't even remember sure. seeing him out there. Well, that's because they kept calling him somebody else. He made a catch, and for some reason, they called him Morris Forrestal. The Jaguars broadcast struggled. Now, if you were lucky enough to get the, the Cleveland broadcast, congrats. Jack and I do not get that because we're in Chicago and London. So I had to watch the NFL pass. 
Um, oddly enough, I just muted the TV and put on the Browns app radio. So thank you Browns for doing that. But yeah, you got nine snaps, nine snaps out of Watson, Schwartz, Njoku, um, Hudson, uh, Wyatt Teller, nine snaps. Uh, the yeah. I, well, Nick Harris, obviously being the big cog, but Joel Batonio didn't play. So you had Michael Dunn in there, uh, Jedrick Wills, nine snaps. So they tried to give the guys a little bit less than 10 snaps. So those are really, your, you're right. Amari Cooper wasn't there. Obviously, we don't know who the second receiver is going to be. David Bell, possibly, but he didn't play either. So, And it, this one, hey, we're on receivers. Let's touch on receivers. So I've said Schwartz was a lock all, all the way through this offseason. To be fair, we said there's three guys that are a lock. We said Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and David Bell were locks. We said... Anthony Schwartz was as close to a lock. So we, we left ourselves that one to 2%. That wedge is now a little bit bigger. Yeah. I'm not out myself. I've, I've said he's a lock all off season because you don't just give up on a third round talent, especially when the room is so weak because it hasn't, it's not like it's a highly competitive room where there is lots of other, like our running back room. If you were a third round pick last year and you struggle, were struggling the way, Schwartz has been you don't mind getting rid of that running back because you've got so many other pieces um but it it's grim and it's not going to be forced off of firewoods or any of these bottom of the roster guys wins isn't going to beat him out for a roster spot but if they don't want to keep him as one of the six they have free agents out there you've got will fuller you've got darius slayton they could trade for you've got cole beasley you've got these guys that can come in and be proven players straight away week one and what you can't do if you do want to have a route to realistically compete this year is waste any of these first four weeks on allowing Schwartz um, Bell or someone to develop you need receivers out there to catch the ball from Jacoby Brissett I will defend Schwartz on this and this will upset our boy Owen Jones who grand marshal of the run Anthony Schwartz out of town parade my biggest issue with Anthony Schwartz was not his on the field stuff. Even last year, I thought the biggest issue I had with him was his response with that questioning with Baker Mayfield and whose fault it was. I just thought that showed a lot of immaturity, but I'll defend him on this. He in the first play, that's never going to be him. That's going to be Mark Cooper in the play where it was the out that hit him square in the hands. It wouldn't have mattered. It was a holding on Jedrick Wills. These are not roles that he was ever drafted to be doing as a wide receiver he's doing it now because they need to get him reps and the other guys that will actually be doing this are unavailable for whatever reason but the problem we're running into is with the nfl nowadays and jack you know this as well as anybody first round second round and third round wide receivers are almost providing an instant impact in today's nfl game they're coming in and they're contributing whether it's justin jefferson whether it's cooper cup we're talking first third round right so when you have a guy like jalen rager or a guy like brandon Ayuk, and they're not coming in and contributing right away people are starting saying oh my god like what's wrong to the point now we're here i think this is Ayuk's third year and everybody's like oh he's poised for a breakout year when you drafted brandon Ayuk, you knew this is a guy that was at arizona state that ran two routes that needed development with Anthony Schwartz, we knew when we drafted him, this is a guy that needs developed. He didn't know how to run routes. He's a really fast guy who doesn't know how to run routes. And you can tell he doesn't, he shallows off his routes. He's not clean coming out of his breaks. And it's going to take two, three years really to make him into a wide receiver. The thing you need him for as a wide receiver four or five is that just get behind the defense, right? And if we do throw you the ball, 
you got to catch it. So my concern is if he can't catch a standard out pass, and I'm not going to blame the first one on him. Heck, he could have been Manute Bowl, and I don't think he'd have caught that one. But there was people like ragging him for not making an effort. Can't even 10 yards over his head at 30 mile an hour. What the hell is he going to do? Um, but the fact is, is you have to be able to catch the balls that are getting from you, even if you don't run a perfect route. So for Schwartz, I would like to see him actually in a role like a Mecole Hardman or something like that. Like he's not Debo Samuel guys. So let's just leave that alone. He needs to be able to execute what he was drafted to do. And that is the upper level of a defense, right? I'm talking beyond the safeties. Him in between the numbers is not a great combination. Now, the Browns are putting him in that position because of the lack of depth at receiver. But Jack, I don't know about you. I'm still in the camp. I don't really need a veteran brought in right now. Since Jakeem Grant went down, I I think this is the time where you can go and bring in the veteran. I almost want the slot where I can go. Colby is a player for a long time I've really liked. And he was my comp all along to Jarvis Landry of going, hey, you can get the same thing for five mil rather than paying 15 mil. I think he'd be a really useful player to have in that short to medium distance that if you want to, he's almost your mixing as that third slot player alongside Njoku, alongside Brian. Yeah, he's not a tight end, but he can operate in that area that if you take one of those two off, I don't want to have to rely on David Bell to play half the snaps in week one. Whereas I can rely on Cole Beasley to come in and go, you're going to play half the slot snaps when one of the two tight ends is off the field and just go catch that intermediate stuff because he can run into traffic and he knows what he's doing. Whereas someone like Anthony Schwartz, if you throw him on the field, you can just tell him run straight. Just run straight and deep. And if the ball's coming to you, it's going to be an absolute, as they love to say, with the moon ball from uh, Russell Wilson. But it's just going to come right over the top, be really nice and slow, and just catch it straight in front of you. Um, And that's what you can do. He's easier said than done. But the one thing I will say, and I would I do want to really see him in the preseason is coming out. David Bell was the precise route runner, right? He was the guy with the hands. He was the guy with the route runner. He was the opposite of Anthony Schwartz. I mean, if we're really kind of taking two young receivers, Anthony Schwartz is on one end of the spectrum and David Bell's on the other. So you probably don't remember this just a little bit before your time, but the Browns actually brought in towards the end of his career, a guy by the name of Joe Juravicious. So he was a Cleveland guy. Uh, I think he won a Super Bowl with Tampa. That's how early in the 2000s it was. But he came in, and on third down, if it was third and seven, Jurevicius for, for eight. It was a guy who knew he was a veteran smart. He would get one or two yards past the sticks, unlike Chancey Stuckey, who's, again, a little bit before your time, on third and five would run the most beautiful three-yard crossing route you've ever seen. But Jurevicius was a guy who knew where the stakes were. And when you talk about a guy like Beasley, you're talking about a guy who just knows how to move the sticks. Josh Allen relied on him heavily in Buffalo when it came to these type of things where it's second and six and he gets seven, it's third and five and he gets six, you know, or it gets him right on the line and then they can come up and power it with Jacoby Brissett, the world's leading uh, QB sneaker. But it is, it is a little bit of a, a, a dichotomy in the wide receiver room that we just, we have Amari Cooper, who's this just polished route runner. And I think he's going to do wonders for David Bell but we don't really have that complimentary piece. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones could be it. He's a bigger guy. Um, but did any of these other wide receivers show you anything? I mean, Dalen Baldwin played 14 snaps. Javon Wims, 21. Jamarcus Bradley, 22. Uh, Derek Dillon got out there for a few. Mike Harley, 30 snaps. Any of these guys show you anything? They sent me to sleep. <laughs> uh the one guy that did get at least a little bit of love from the pff boys was uh dalen baldwin i think he's one of our top 
uh, rated guys. Now he only played 14 snaps, eight of them passed, six of them on the run. So let's just focus on his eight passing snaps. Um, I don't know what they're grading him on there. I mean, okay. So I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's filling the roles and responsibilities good enough to where maybe going into this second game, we'll see a little bit more of them. Um, but I don't think really any of the other guys stood out. I mean, you look around the league, there was guys who performed, so to say, but in terms of receivings, Jerome Ford was our leading receiver with four catches for 45 yards. Baldwin was our leading wide receiver with three catches for 25 yards. Jamarcus, so in the entire game, the only receivers that had a catch, Jack, were Baldwin with three for 25 and Jamarcus Bradley had one for five in a preseason game. Jerome Ford, four catches. Nakeem Griffith-Stewart, three catches. Stanton, one. Kelly, two. Forrestal, one. Buzz, your girlfriend. Got five, five snaps. That's time, Buzz, your time girlfriend. Woof. But I think that's what you're going to see. Um, you're going to see a lot of motion. You're going to see a lot of move in the pocket. Josh Dobbs, I mean, good. for a guy – Listen, if you're going to go out and praise Kenny Pickett for going out and doing what he did, you got to praise Josh Dobbs. You know, he came out, was able to add a little, a little bit of mobility, get the offense moving. And listen, I get it. It's the preseason. You have to – this is the number one thing I will tell you as fans. The ones play the ones, the twos play the twos, the three plays the threes, okay? So there are a lot of guys out there, you know, like Dobbs. He's going out there against second and third teamers. He's been in the league for, you know, going on five years now, Okay he should be able to move an offense. If he is even on a NFL roster going into a sixth season, he needs to be able to move an offense in preseason. I mean, hell, Case Keenum went right down the field on the starters against the Colts. Then it got hell in a handbasket in the red zone. It's beside the point. The same with Jerome Ford. This is a guy who, you know, you don't want to see him come out, get five carries for zero yards against the first team defense, right? You want to see Jerome Ford, a rookie, come in against those twos, against those threes, make guys miss. Like, this is a thing where you're trying to build confidence amongst these rookies because you want them to contribute. We saw a little bit of him catching balls in the passing game. We saw a little bit of him making guys miss in the second level. These are the things you want to see, you know? So when we're talking about the offense, we're talking about O-line, we're talking about our seconds versus their twos. And listen, Jacksonville is not some great team with incredible depth. So we want to see guys from the offense go out there in the twos and threes and dominate. But there was one thing that I did see that I kind of wanted to get your take on. You know, we were talking about the tight end position. We know Najoku and we know Harrison Bryant. So Najoku plays nine snaps. Harrison Bryant plays four snaps. Then now there's this fight. We talked about these three tight ends. We talked about these practice squad guys. So Marco Santos Silva, three snaps, all in run blocking. Zaire Mitchell Payton, 20 snaps, 11 on run blocking, nine in pass. Miller Forrestal, 24 snaps. Nakia Griffith-Stewart, 15 snaps. Did we really see anything from these, from these tight ends? I mean, I didn't see a guy. We played a lot of them. No, so hey, it was four targets, caught three of them for 37 yards for Nakia Griffin Stewart. So he gets the flashy PFF grade, but I'd say he was what the number one player rated or something yeah. on offense. Um, but it's one where no one really stood out for me when I was watching in real time. Miller Forstall just seems solid. Um, and that's why I think he has such a good shot to be the guy that's on the roster because. We are going to 
play a lot of two tight end sets. If you're going to play a lot of two tight end sets, you have to be ready for one of those two players to go down because what you can't do is set up half your playbook to effectively be two tight ends. And then halfway through a game, what Bryant goes down or Bryant even just hurts his leg or hurts his hand and has to go out for half. Oh, he gets his bell run, concussion. Yeah. I mean, nowadays in the NFL, one good, he makes a heck of a catch, takes a hit. You're out for three games, you know? Yeah. Or even just out for a drive. You can't have a drive where you're like, mm, we're not going to throw Johnny Stanton in there because we don't want to run this. Yeah. I can't use half. Game. I can't use half my playbook. Yeah. Or we've got some, the really promising guy, maybe Santos Silver, and you're going, oh, we think he can be something great in after week eight, after the bye week. Well, you can't keep that guy on the roster. You could, if you only played sort of one tight end most snaps and you were three, four wide receiver team, you can easily stash a guy as your third wide receiver, but we need a guy that they feel really comfortable with. And that's why I just, I think it will be either someone off the roster or it will be a middle of stall. Yeah, I think you're talking these cuts, but I'm at a point now with these last two games. Najoku, you can sit him. Harrison Bryant, you can sit him. We've got these four guys, three hyphenated last names in Miller Forrestal. Just play these four guys. Let's see if any of them really have anything. I mean, really across the O-line, James Hudson, 22 snaps, not the greatest performance. Your sleeper guy coming in the practice squad, Ben Petrula, 46 snaps. I think actually he led the team uh, with offensive snaps. Yes, by quite a bit. And uh, our boy Hijalti Froholt uh, also came in there with a decent number of snaps. But offensive line-wise, you're looking for backups. You are. You're looking for guys. We're talking about filling out those two, three positions. Let's talk about Nick Harris. I mean, he's gone for the year. Uh, uh, I'm gonna he's done. Yeah. Set the expectation. He's done for the year. Um, obviously, hey, if they if they want to keep him, they have to carry him on the 53 and then put him on IR. Um, if they think he could come back after the bye week, um, I don't think that's going to be the case. So I'd expect he's one of because they've got a cut um, four more players by Tuesday. So Jakeem Grant's already on IR. If Nick Harris on IR, that's three more guys to go. Um, I'm expecting him to be one of them. And then that battle for the two most obvious names. Um, so Pochich becomes the starter for me. Two most obvious names on who that backup is, is Deaton or Hoffman. Um, they're the two other players that played centre in the preseason game. Um, Deaton got more time there. Um, no, Hoffman, Hoffman had 27 snaps to Deaton six. Hoffman's the one that graded out. They both grade out pretty well in pass, but I think Hoffman was at like an 81 in pass blocking when I believe he's sub 50 in run blocking. So it's, it's one where it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, in terms of he, he's ball. the, he's a Paul Brown special. He's the UDFA we got, I believe out of Virginia tech is I think where uh, Brock Hoffman came in. Deaton, I also believe was your, uh, he was a, he was our seventh rounder from Texas Tech. Yeah. yeah the, the one that completely blindsided me because I just didn't expect for another offensive lineman to be drafted there, but that's where it went. Um, so I, I, I think you're looking at those two. There's the two wild cards on the roster of Hansel Dunn could, could get a shot there. Well, Dunn's the obvious one for me if you were talking about position transition because this was a guy who played center, has experience with center, and he got obviously a majority of his snaps in the left guard spot, him and Drew Forbes. However, we know Joel Batonio, that's his spot. So if you really like what you're seeing out of Dunn, 
you can move him over. I do also believe Ajalti Froholt also has some center experience as well, but I would think it's going to be done hands Froholt. Those are your kind of three guard guys with some transitional experience. Yeah. And then the other one looking at free agency that there's the bigger name is Tretta, which we'll get onto in a second. Um, I can't see you've got Matt Paradis, um, the center, but the one I think that, because for me, you're looking for the backup poach. It's just going to be your guy that starts Billy price, Ohio state, which doesn't bother me, but I know a lot of people get excited about first round pick. So there's talent there. Hasn't worked out so far, but he's one where if you're bringing him in as a backup and going, hey, we'll give you one, two mil, I would do that and just feel comfortable there um, for an entire year. And unless you're sitting there and looking at Deaton and Hoffman and going, hey, these guys, they've got something. And in in a year's time, one of these guys could be the starter, then by all means, keep them. But if not, make that move. Yeah. I mean, Billy Price, obviously Ohio State fans know him. First round pick by the Bengals. Ironically enough, he's in a similar vein as Ethan Bochick, right? Second round pick by the Seahawks. Didn't really work out. He's getting his second life under the best offensive line coach currently on, currently in the NFL. So if they like what they, get, they can see, because Price is an athletic guy, and there's no doubt about it. When he was at Ohio State, he was widely known as one of the top offensive line prospects. I believe he spent most of that offseason training with Charles Bentley, uh, at his O-line performance school as well. So we don't know. We, I mean, to be fair, I haven't watched enough Billy Price to know why it didn't work in Cincy. I believe he went on to, to the Giants as well, played a little yeah. bit there. So who knows? If they want to bring him in, it's probably because one of those two guys, Hoffman or Deaton, is likely practice squad, which is probably where they should be, Jack. And we talked about it. Like, you don't want to go out after an injury and spend a bunch of money overcompensating for the fact that you go out and sign Treader or whoever these guys are, and you got to pay them out over the t- skis. And they asked Batonio about that today, and he said, listen, there's a little bit with the NFLPA and why Treader's probably not at a team. We talked a little bit about it. He's even taking visits, so there's probably something there. And Trader may be just looking at it and going, guys, I'm good. I got a shit ton of money. I got a load of problems over here with the NFLPA that I can focus on. So it may be one of those things where they call Billy, they bring him in, but next man up. I mean, it sucks. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we've talked about Nick Harrison. He was hopefully going to take that jump this year. And a lot of guys talk about what he did this off season. It sucks, but it's going to happen all over the league. And this is why we're, the no roster situation is ever, you know, not fluid for this very reason. We talk about it in the tight ends. We talk about it in center. I mean, we talk about it in D-line. I mean, obviously, you know, if we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the defense, we didn't see Miles Garrett. We didn't see uh, Jadavian Clowney. We saw, you know, guys like Isaiah Thomas. We saw a couple of guys go out there and flash against the, you know, the, the twos and the threes, which is good. That's what you want to see. But again, after Clowney and Garrett, there wasn't a lot of pressure in that first quarter. The Jags pretty much moved the ball at will. Rush defense, not great. And the defensive tackles, Jack, I think we know – you, you. Yes, bad. Um, but it's one where I'm, I'm not that concerned, in all honesty, um, at this point of the preseason, um, because they're more interested in has anyone got anything rather than, yeah, these guys are starters, right, on to the next. So um, why would you go out and spend a load of money? If Deshaun Watson was playing the entire season and you're like, hey, we've got a real good shot here. You 
bite your lip and you go, hey, we'll overpay a bit for a centre who's going to play between two all-pro guards. It's not like you're bringing in a dude and going, hey, you're going to play next to, well, uh, Drew Forbes on one side and uh, throw Holt on the other. You're not sticking them in a really bad situation and relying on them to be a stud. They, this person is going to be sat between the best tandem tackle in the entire NFL. And that's a great spot to be. So Pochich can easily do that job. Is Pochich going to be a top eight center? No. Does that matter? No, it doesn't. Listen, it's a luxury, right? We talk about the O-line. We talk about the cornerback room. Number one guy's taking snaps on the defense, A.J. Green, 51 snaps. He started and played most of the game because why? They've got all these other corners. We know who they are. Was it a great game for A.J. Green? No, not particularly. He didn't really do much of all. I mean, he was just kind of out there. Um, anybody on the defense? I saw Tony Fields was out there. I thought he had, it was good seeing him. Uh, play a little bit, run around, make some tackles. I think he has six tackles. Uh, Dakota Allen, the guy they brought in, seven tackles. His first ever defensive snaps, Tony Fields. Tony Fields did not play a defensive snap last preseason or last entire season. So it was the first time he's ever played out there on defense, and he looked good. And and he moves. It's been the big question of he can play special teams. He's not a world beater of special teams, but he played special teams last year. And the issue is you can't really move above sixth linebacker on a defensive chart unless you can play. Him moving up now means it's, it's Allen versus Kowalczyk. Allen looks the stronger out of the two, but that's going to be the interesting battle now for who's going to be the team's sixth linebacker. Over to you to wrap up in. Yeah, overall, first preseason game, I think it is what we thought it was going to be. Um, you know, we're still on Watson watch, so we really don't know what's coming on there. It sounds like they're starting to repair for set the ones Watson in after that. So I wouldn't be shocked if we hear something a little bit, you know, sooner than later, Greg Newsom sitting out, they're going to rest his hamstring. We got until Sunday before we see the Eagles game, but overall, I just want to see kind of what these roster moves are. I think they're going to trim a couple off the bottom guys that we thought had no chance making the roster, but it could be interesting to see Do the Browns maybe make a move in the next couple weeks with we talked about it. Low-level camp guys, Kareem Hunt, Darius Slayton. You never know. They could be doing something. As always, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.